0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, joined as always by my fellow hoops junkie and friend, Mr. Andy Roth. And this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. More from our sponsor in just a little bit. And today, Andy and I are joined by a very special guest and a good friend uh, who I've known for quite a while, sat next to him. He's a Chicagoan deep down. Aren't you there, Pete Pranica.
1: I'm a Packers owner. I mean, I lived in Chicago for a while, but I'm a Wisconsin boy
0: at heart. That's right. Don't I
1: expect me it. to say anything nice about the Bears.
0: Um, well, they they have two new guys today, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, um, right. Pete, Pete, of course, is the TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. You can follow him very original on your part there, by the way, and uh, we wanted to have you on uh, for so many reasons because you're very knowledgeable about the NBA, and right now being part of the Grizzlies, what a great story this team has become, and you know, Pete, I always said when you have one of the great players that you're broadcasting for on a game-by-game basis, it makes your job so much more fun, and obviously you have that with John Morant and the Grizzlies right now.
1: It's unbelievable. How much better broadcaster I am right now because of all the highlights and the social media traffic. Oh, you and Brevin are great. You're fantastic. If you're fi- if you're below 500, you don't get those types of tweets. But it's a real challenge because John ja Moran can do so many exciting things on the basketball court that you have to be prepared at any moment that anything could happen, which really makes it very challenging. But it is a great story. We knew that Ja would take a leap forward. I don't know that any of us thought it would be this far forward. You figured, okay, year three, he'll make the all-star game. He very well could be an all-star starter. Um, you know, top 15 in points per game, assists per game. He's one of the best clutch scores, final five minutes, margin within five. He's also been a great leader, and he has accepted the challenge of being a better defender. If there's a weakness in his game, it's his defense, but he really has decided to work extra hard on that. And he's one of those guys who is very willing to work on his weaknesses, not just his strengths. There are a lot of guys in this league, and you know it. They go to the gym, they're a great shooter. They want to get up shots. Try working on something you're not good at, like maybe dribbling, you know, or something else. Uh, And Ja is, is very, very content to work on his weaknesses, not just his strengths.
0: Andy, you're muted. Andy, you're muted.
2: Okay. Pete, did did he observe anything during his 12-game absence where he came back with a different mindset or approach?
1: He watched the games very closely. He is a huge video junkie uh, and was texting back and forth with Taylor Jenkins all the time. You know, I saw this. I noticed that. Uh, When I'm able to play, maybe we should try this. The thing that impresses me most about John Morant is his ability to recall plays, to recall situations, Uh, I remember his rookie year, I'm sitting behind him on the team bus going to a game and he's talking to one of his teammates and he's saying, okay, remember when we ran such and such a set and you did this and they did that and the first action was closed. He went to the second action, that was closed off. So the next read was this and he knew what all 10 players were doing and he could recall that. And so he's got an incredible basketball IQ. And I think if you want to have a fantastic basketball player, you not only have to have physical talent, obviously, you've got to have great basketball IQ, which he has. And then also the burning desire to be absolutely the best. And he has all three of those. And that's a big reason why he's successful. So when he was away from the team, he was as involved as he could be because the knee injury coincided with health and safety protocols. So for some games, he was able to be on the bench to be with the team. And he does act. As a coach, uh, you know when he's not playing, health and safety protocols. Then it became watching a lot of video and texting Taylor Jenkins, and and they text on a regular basis, sharing ideas about what what they should do in a particular situation. So they have a very very close relationship.
0: Pete, I'm sure you've seen the comparisons because, I mean, it's hard not to compare him to when Derrick Rose first came into the NBA, his first couple of years where he was jumping out of the gym and doing all the athletic things that he did before his knee injuries. And Jazz, the same thing. I mean, and, and hopefully he stays healthy his entire career. And I got to take you back to one play that you'll know real quickly. It was against the Lakers. It was his block. And we had John Ireland on a couple of weeks ago. And 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 John sent me the uh, audio clip of him and Michael Thompson talking about that play, about a 15 or 20 second clip. And, and Michael Thompson was just, I mean, he's seen a lot of great things, obviously, in his career. He was just almost dumbfounded. He made up words that don't even exist trying to describe <laughs> yeah. that. Play. And I'm wondering, you know, I mean, when you saw that and you're going to see this almost on a game by game basis, that's the beauty of having a player like that. I mean, what what did you think? Because that was a defensive play, obviously.
1: Right. I mean, what comes to mind, you just simply say, you know, what an incredible block my Morant. And I mean, you know, the, the thesaurus is starting to fail us here because he is amazing. I, I think I said that I said, you know, the miraculous is now commonplace with him because his body allows him to do some things that we've just never seen before. Uh, there was actually a block. You go all the way back to the season opener. Uh, the Grizzlies are at home to Cleveland and Laurie Markin and think he thinks he has a layup and Morant goes and his hand is above the square to block the shot. And Laurie Markin is like, well, that had to be goaltending. Like, no, he jock can get up that high. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, Yeah, to see that with two hands. I mean, we've seen rundown blocks before, but with two hands, he's basically right at the square, and what he tried to do was catch the ball and then pull it down, except for the fact that his elbow banged the bottom of the backboard. I don't know what that feels like from personal experience, but um, that's what knocked the ball loose, and uh, it it has to be one one of the great blocks of the last 15, 20 years, if not all time.
2: Do you consider his footwork in the lane, off the dribble, almost unique? It, to me, he really does things that no guard does. I mean, as good as, and creative as Kyrie is, Jaw's even a little different to me. He's very creative. And in a, in another interview I did
1: today talking about Jha, it he d- makes those moves not to show off. He makes those moves, but they are... They are utilitarian. They get him where he wants to go. And if you guys remember the the MLK Day game in Memphis with the Bulls, okay, he has the the dust-up with Tony Bradley, and he's he's, he's pretty pretty angry. And he admitted the next time down the floor he wanted to dunk and he wanted to tear down the rim. Two things here. Number one, Ja has become much more mature with his shot selection. His rookie year and into his second year, he wanted to dunk everything just ask Kevin Love, right? He decided that he wanted that. he really, really wanted to dunk that ball. He was still angry at Tony Bradley. The lane was shut off to him. So he ad-libbed a 360 spin, which was insane, and then makes the shot. He wasn't doing it to be funny. He wasn't trying to show anybody up. It was, how do I get the ball in the basket? I don't want to commit a charge. So the only way for me to do this is a 360 spin. And he has the ability to do it. Unlike anybody else in the game right now, really,
0: you know, we can talk about job ja this entire podcast and it'd be fun to do so. And, and by the way, I should point out, he's pretty close to averaging a triple double. He's got the six rebounds and seven assists also, but I want to talk yeah. about the rest of the Grizzlies because, you know, I saw the team during the preseason. You weren't here for that game. And I thought, you know, this is going to be a 500-team at best. So, I mean, they've gotten contributions. That's the beauty. I mean, Desmond Bain has played really, really well. Jaron Jackson, you know, is still – has more room for growth, but I mean, he's playing really well. Stephen Adams has had some injury problems, but obviously he's an anchor in the middle when he's healthy. And you mentioned Taylor Jenkins. I think right now he is the coach of the year because not much was expected. So it has been a really more than just Ja. He's he's the leader of the band, obviously, but the Grizzlies have been a really, really, like I said, good story across the board.
1: They've taken a big step forward. And part of that was the fact that Ja did get hurt. And, Jaron Jackson, Jr. came out and he would just walk up to us courtside and say, don't be the storm or, or um, don't weather the storm, be the storm. Mm-hmm. And that that became his motto. And it really pulled this group together because I think through the first 10, 15 games, this was a team that was more spectating than participating. It was let's let Jog ja get 35 and bail us out and win us the basketball game. And then when he's not there for you know a dozen games, well, we, we, we got to figure something out. The other thing too is that this basketball team at the start of the season, they were not disciplined defensively. Their adherence to the game plan wasn't there. They were trying to make up for that with activity, gambling, and they were ending up fouling and turning the ball over and giving up wide open threes. And they decided, you know what, without Jaw, we're going to have to win some games with defense. And so their adherence to the defensive game plan became much better. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has become much better at blocking shots and defending without fouling, which is huge. And the other thing, too, is about the time that Jaw went out, Grizzlies got Dylan Brooks back, who is probably their best perimeter defender. Now, he's out now, may well be out when we come to Chicago, not sure, but he had a real bad ankle sprain. But he was on the last trip, getting in some light work. He's out of a boot, so those things all kind of came. You know, uh, Dylan comes back, defense gets better, uh, and the team realizes they have to rally around Ja, rally around without Ja, more specifically. And I think that was that was kind of how they turned things around.
2: You mentioned Jaron Jackson. Love his game. Love the left hand inside the defense. I was wondering what you think his ceiling is.
1: I think his ceiling is a 20 and 10 guy on a regular basis. We've seen 20 and 10 in flashes. We need to see it on a regular basis. What I'm most proud of with Jaron is that he has done a better job of shot selection. Jaron would get to a point where uh, he would just default to a three, which he has the ability to make, no doubt about it. But he's got such length, such athleticism, the ability to finish around the rim. I think he was selling himself short by taking as many threes as he was. And now the message has gotten through, go to the paint. You're a matchup nightmare. If you go to the paint, you're going to have better looks at three than if you just walk up into a transition three. So I think his ceiling is averaging 20 and 10. Uh, he's, he's not quite there yet. And the knock on him coming into this year was his rebounding wasn't very good. His rebounding has become a lot better.
2: And do you think the uh, coaching staff in front office – is surprised in what they have in Desmond Bay now.
1: No, they knew it. I mean, I've, okay. I've, I've talked I've talked to Zach Kleiman, and they, they were like, we can't believe that 29 other teams passed on this guy. Uh, they really, really liked him, and they made a, a deal to move up in the draft specifically to get him. And, you know, now the leap he took from last year to this year is pretty big. But remember, his rookie year, there was no summer league. OK, we were coming well, we were in the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic, but no summer league this year. The Grizzlies didn't take a traditional point guard to either summer league. Desmond Bain was going to be their point guard, which he had some playmaking experience at TCU, of course, in addition, in addition to being a good outside shooter. So that experience at summer league gave him leadership experience, offensive initiation experience. And of course, we all know that he can he can shoot the basketball, and he plays he plays with an edge, which is something that Dylan Brooks plays with an edge. Ja plays with this massive chip on his shoulder, uh, and and that's one of the reasons why this team, as young as it is, and by average age, they're the second youngest team in the NBA, and here they are, the third seed in the West. It really is remarkable.
2: And it's interesting with Bain and Ja, you've had two guys in the conversation for most improved. Do you think Ja will get serious conversation uh, consideration? Because there are people who think second overall pick, rookie of the year, you know, he's expected to take the leap. How do you see that shaking out?
1: Uh, I, I think voters would have a hard time with John Morant as, as as most improved. I I think he's a top five MVP candidate, and that probably would cannibalize some votes for most improved. You look at Desmond Bain from his draft class. Tyreeks Maxi is the only player that has had a larger increase in scoring average from last season to this. He's been the beneficiary of the Ben Simmons drama in Philadelphia.
0: One last uh, question to Pete, before we uh, take a break and just talk of, uh get a word from our sponsor, Pete, you know, the the stat that I always look at to see if a team is a fluke or not is their home record against their road record. And right now you guys are the same. I mean, you're eight games over uh, 500 at home. I'm sure you'd want that to be even better but you're eight games over 500 on the road, which is really always to me very telling. And so I'm wondering, you know, is the confidence, I'm sure it is, growing with this team as they continue to win, especially on the road. And I'm just wondering, you know, when Steph Curry comes to a town, there's always these other people who want to just see him that normally don't come to a basketball game. Are you starting to feel that on the road from, from visiting crowds, whether with John and the rest of the team?
1: Yeah, we're definitely seeing more Grizzlies gear more, uh, number 12 jerseys when we go out on the road. I mean, he's captivated people because you know, the, the reason Steph Curry was and is so popular is he shoots the ball. Well, yes, but he is, shall we say normal sized. Yes. He's not a seven footer. And that's why a lot of kids said, Hey, I want to be like Steph Curry because Steph's not a really big guy, relatively speaking. Uh, but he can make shots and he can be an MVP and he doesn't have to be seven feet tall. And I think kids see that in John Morant as well, that he's a little bit closer to their size and here he is, you know, dominating the game. And, and, and that's why I think his popularity is so high. Obviously the highlights in in today's world of social media, they're everywhere. They're viewed. Um, The dunk he had on Aaron Baines in Phoenix a couple of years ago, that, we were sitting on the team bus, and I think somebody said it was already up to like half a million views, <laughs> you know, and the game was just over. So, so that all adds to the popularity. So now, yeah, the Grizzlies are starting to see a lot more of their gear in in opposing arenas.
0: More with Pete in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, DraftKings, Kings. And four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl Fifty Six, new customers can get. 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer, you can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. You know the uh, the NBA dra- trading deadline is coming up, Pete, uh, in a couple of weeks here, and I'm just curious, what do you think Memphis may or may not do? You got those three first round draft picks for next year's draft. You know, One's going to be mid-first round. The other two will probably be lower first round. Are they going to dangle them? What do, What do you think might happen?
1: That's a, that's a real good question because the fact of the matter is the chemistry with this basketball team is so good, you really want to see what is the ceiling for this team. Uh, they've, they've played so well. The chemistry is so good. Do you all of a sudden, before you get to the playoffs, before you get a chance – to really see what the ceiling of this group is, do you want to make a trade? Ah, that would that would be really really tough. And I know that there are some there are some expiring contract situations, but by the same token, you know Tyus Jones, you don't want to lose Tyus Jones. You know, a couple of years ago when the Grizzlies struggled in the bubble and and fell out of the a seed in the West and ended up in the play in uh, against Portland, ended up losing that. They didn't have Tyus Jones. Uh, Everybody on this team is playing a vital role. So, you know, a a lot of people just talking to fans, their take is let's see what this group can do, because clearly it's been a special group and has outperformed expectations. And I think to break it up before you get to the playoffs to see how good they can really be. Personally, I would I would be disappointed. I would understand because there's a business element to this with expiring contracts and things like that and, and salary cap considerations but from a pure basketball standpoint I would love to see this team stay together through the playoffs.
0: Hey Pete we want to pick your brain also on the west of the rest of the western conference because obviously you you know that very well um but I'm just curious about the town of Memphis itself. You know it, it's always been a great college basketball town which I'm sure it still is. I'm just wondering is it 50-50 now NBA and college or how do you see that thing swinging in your town nowadays?
1: I mean, there's, there's an element of overlap. Um, you know, this isn't a, a huge market monetarily. You don't have a ton of Fortune 500 companies here. So, you know, some advertisers are going to have to pick. Do I want to go college? Do I want to go pro? I, I think it, it is kind of a 50-50 split at this point. Now, what's happened, of course, Penny Hardaway and his Tigers have underperformed. Meanwhile, John Morant is probably going to be a starter in the All-Star game. So, you know, everybody loves a winner. I don't know how this would play out if the Memphis Tigers were solidly in the NCAA tournament, competing for a national title, and the Grizzlies are competing for an NBA championship. If they do that at the same time, I I think – and there is some overlap between those two fan bases. Um, How that would play, I really don't know. It it seems like – Uh, You know, the Tigers were up with Calipari and the Grizzlies were down a little bit. And now, you know, it's kind of gone the other way. It's it's intriguing, but there are enough fans. There are enough fans that wear Tiger Blue and Beale Street Blue and go to both games.
2: And does your gut tell you they're built for playoff success, that they can play with the upper echelon teams in the West?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, you go into Phoenix, you win. You go into Golden State and you win and could have won a second game, if not for Steph Curry going absolutely supernova. Uh, so you win at Phoenix, you win at Utah, you win at Golden State, um, you know, you push Milwaukee to the brink, you win on the road at Denver. This is a team that is confident, and rightly so, that they can beat any team in the NBA on a given night. Four out of seven? Yeah, I mean, Phoenix, that, that's going to be a, that, that's a tough ask, but... This is a team that has confidence and and they don't fear anybody but they respect everybody and i think that's the right approach
0: uh what, what do you think about the western conference standings overall you mentioned phoenix and golden state they're one and two uh, but memphis again they're they're solid third right now six and a half because phoenix is just playing really good basketball and then you go further down the totem pole right now the lakers are on the cusp of you know maybe being a play-in team or or maybe I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. They got Anthony Davis back last night. LeBron once again is playing MVP level. I mean, he's just—he's a freak of nature. That's all I can say. I still think the Lakers are a team to be reckoned with when it's all said and done, if they're healthy and if Westbrook—and I don't think he's going anywhere. By the way, I've saw some ridiculous rumors him for John Wall. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Um, But if if he can get his game in gear, that, that's that's still potentially potentially a pretty decent team, more than decent.
1: Yeah, it's a more than decent team, and it's not a team you'd want to face in the first round of the playoffs if they happen to be peaking at the right time, and so that that's one that you would you would be concerned about. It's interesting that the top four teams have really separated themselves, although Dallas is playing really well, but you lose Tim Hardaway Jr. to a broken foot, yeah. that takes away one of their better scoring options, but I think Dallas is built for the playoffs because they have got a very, very good defense and a very good pick-and-roll game with both Jalen Brunson um, and Luka Doncic, so they're going to be very solid, you know. But you'd, you'd have to think that it's going to be Phoenix or Golden State coming out of the West at the end of the day. Both of them have tremendous firepower offensively. Golden State very good defensively. Monty Williams and and uh, Steve Kerr are two of the very best coaches we have in the NBA. Ironically uh, or interestingly enough, from the Greg Popovich coaching tree, which Taylor Jenkins is is a branch of that as well. So. Um, I would see Phoenix or Golden State coming out. just depends who's hot. And, of course, we don't know about injuries at this point. You know, all it takes is is one major injury, and, and a team's fortunes could take a, a major hit. We saw the impact that missing Draymond Green had on the Golden State Warriors.
2: I wanted to get back to the Lakers for a second because I believe you've seen them four times this year. Yes. So do you think the return of Anthony Davis cures what ails them because some people believe – they weren't very good defensively. The roster isn't a good mix. Uh, you know, what's your long-term take on them for this season? I think it's a big help.
1: I mean, that was they wanted to get him. That was going to be the piece. I think he was going to be the foundational piece or the pivotal piece more than Russell Westbrook was going to be. Um, the issue with Davis, and it was true in New Orleans as well. It's hard to keep him on the court. A lot of nagging injuries from him. If he remains healthy, Westbrook gets some semblance of a shot back. Um yeah it's it's a it's a very good team and you know lebron shoe you said it I mean unbelievable freak of nature what he is doing with them right now is 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 remarkable.
2: And me being in New York what's your take on the Kyrie situation? <laughs> you have to ask.
1: Yeah you know I just you know look I I, I follow the science. Uh, I have all the vaccines, all the boosters, not simply because the NBA requires it. But, you know, I looked at the vaccine issue, and I think Nick Saban said it really well. He said, okay, I get it. It's your personal choice whether or not you want to be vaccinated, but your decision affects a lot of other people. Uh, You know, in this case, it's not just not being vaccinated and what it might mean for him infecting others if he has the virus. But it also impacts his basketball team. And I think that's hard to walk into a locker room and say, I love you guys. You're my brothers. I want to go to war with you guys, except for one thing, and I can only be here half the time. I mean, unless you have this real, real issue that the vaccine is physically going to do some harm to you, I get the vaccine for for my team. I mean, even pre-COVID, okay, we are offered flu vaccines. I'm first one in line. I don't want to be on the charter unvaccinated and a player gets sick and it's like, hey, who infected this guy? Who 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 didn't get a shot? It's it's just part of your responsibility. I I think. And I think for Kyrie Irving as a leader, if you are going to lead this basketball team, how can you lead it if you're not there half the time?
2: Yeah, I, I you know, I believe they're better off without home court advantage in the playoffs. But I also believe they don't win a championship under that scenario. Do you, do you feel that way? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think with Kyrie Irving, 24-7, 365, they have championship aspirations that are completely legitimate. But if he's only going to play half the time, it, it's tough.
0: Hey, Pete, uh, one last one from me. Um, you mentioned Brevin earlier on. You know, I always get a kick out of working with yourself and, and sitting alongside both of you and all the other uh, teams around the NBA you guys have a really good rapport with each other. I'm just wondering, you know, um, what what's it like working with him? And and you've been with him now. I, I don't even know how many years it is. I mean, you guys are soup and sandwich together.
2: I think I think it's I think it's I think
1: it's twelve. Um, you know, I, I was just talking actually on 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 my podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network, the Grizz Weekly Grind. Um, I was talking with Kate Scott and and asked her about chemistry, and she did an audition with Ala Abdelnabi in Philadelphia. And so they meet day one and it's like, okay, here we go. And that was the same for me and Brevin. Uh, when Brevin auditioned, I wasn't available. I might've been on vacation or whatever. He's Stanford, I'm Notre Dame. We just, we're lucky. we're lucky in that we think so alike. And we do things very differently in that I will break down a team based on their statistical profile. And I'll watch some video to support that Brevin does not look at the numbers except very, you know, very tangentially, but watches a ton of video. So that's kind of how we do that dance. And what I like about Brevin is that he is very well prepared. And when he was asked about it, because, you know, there's some color commentators in any sport that don't prepare. They just show up and and they make their name on their name value. Um, He said, I work so hard because I don't want to disappoint Pete because I know how hard he works. So we both prepare very hard in our own ways. We've become very best friends. We play a lot of golf together. And um, you may see the clip on Twitter. Uh, I was reading a concert announcement featuring some hip hop artists about (laughs) whom I know nothing. And, and, and Brevin is just yucking it up and he's laughing. And of course, they have a camera on us. And, you know, we're, I'm, I'm like trying to push him out of the way because I know he's going to try to make me crap, crack crack up. And, and it was uh, it's all over Twitter right now. And everybody in Memphis thinks it's really, really funny and all that. But we really are best friends. And so it is two guys talking ball that you've invited into your living room. And it, and it just works for us.
0: Well, on behalf of Andy and myself, Pete, we really appreciate you joining us today. I am so sorry about your Green Bay Packers going out of the first round yet again.
1: You're um, not sorry, Shu. You are not sorry.
0: <laughs> Actually, I think the world of I think the world of Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, although his success in the postseason, not so good. But uh, you know, his off the field, I mean, you mentioned Kyrie. I mean, you could put Aaron Rodgers in the same picture with Kyrie, unfortunately.
2: Well, okay. wait, we have to get prediction is Aaron back in green Bay or not.
0: Okay.
1: Fair enough. There's, a, I have a good feeling he's going to be back. Okay, I, so. I think he's, I think he's mended fences with good Um, you know, obviously they've got to deal with, with Devante Adams and his contract situation. They're way capped out, but if they can, if they can find a way, it just seems like the lines of communication are open, which seemed to be the issue last year when Aaron was, I think I'm out of here. I think they've. I think they fixed that up, and and perhaps Aaron may come to a point saying, "I've got unfinished business in Green Bay." I hope that's the case. Like Shu, I'm absolutely with you. He, I love him as a quarterback, the way that he's handled some things this year. I'm, I'm not cool with. Um, so yeah, so so I don't wear. I, I don't wear the 12 jersey. I wear the Mason Crosby jersey. <laughs> Listen, there's
0: sometimes you want to burn that too, to be honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes, yes. You know, and it's interesting. I and mean, we're getting off the beaten path, and we'll leave you with this. But uh, Roethlisberger retired today. I think Brady is done. I That's my personal opinion. That'll leave uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers as the veteran quarterback in the NFL. And I don't think he goes anywhere for the following reason only, or, or there's probably more. And you're right. He's opened up the line of communications up in Green Bay. But That division is still going to be his for as long as he plays. And that's an easy entree every single season into the NFL playoffs. Now he's got to improve on that part, but getting into the playoffs is the first step. And because the other teams in that division are terrible and are rebuilding, that's why I don't think he goes anywhere. Just an opinion. I like it. (laughs) I like the way you think. All right. Well, thanks. Pete Pranica. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Pete Pranica. Pete, you're the best. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks, buddy.
1: All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks
0: a lot.